Fiona. Number 151. The one where, what's that? Oh, wait, it's James, and he says, stop it! The Fionauts Podcast. Christian news from around the globe. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out a matter. Explore the vast reaches of God's word. Hello, all you Theo Knotheads out there. I'm David Gaddy. I'm Jeremiah Orr. Together we are the Theo Knots. Hey, David. Hey, Jeremiah. This is the uh, fifth time we've tried to start oh, this program because it's it's nine thirty eight <laughs> and we've had a long day of uh, hanging out. And every time we do it late like this, it <laughs> just it it take after take after deescalates take. into madness. And by the time we're we're just like yes, totally sabotaging the theonauts. And that's okay, but it was <clears throat> it's been fun. <laughs> I, I, it's a love-hate relationship doing this late at night. Yeah. Because I find it a lot more fun. Oh, it is. Or entertaining. But at the same time, man. It's kind of, yeah. And and I've got to go to Dallas in the morning. <laughs> Do you? So, yeah. <laughs> <sighs> oh, well. I just have to clean a church and get ready to go to Kansas. Oh, yeah. You're going out of town this week. Yeah, I'm leaving. Yeah, that's why we're doing it so late tonight. For giving thanks on givings. Yes. For, Yeah. Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. So, what are you doing for Thanksgiving? I'm opting outside, man. That's right. But uh, aside from that, um, we are doing Thanksgiving at my daughter's house. So first, yeah, yeah. So it's quite unique. <clears throat> That's yeah. What... You know, my mom and dad normally have it at their house. Yeah, and uh, they always have the whole family over and everything. What? But they sold their home. Right. And they are now living in a trailer park while they're building a new home. <laughs> in Oklahoma, no in, less. Yes, in an RV park. Oh, I can't so wait to see your dad so I can make Hillbilly if jokes. It was like, yeah, if it was me, I'd be like, hey, let's do it at the RV park. Right. No, it's not happening. So we're doing it over at my daughter's house. Sure. And uh, which and she offered. Mm-hmm. You know, She was like, hey, y'all can do it over here. So that'll be fun. Yeah. Uh, we'll enjoy that. And um, so... But, you know, my family that normally they come in all weekend long, mm-hmm. and uh, this time it's going to be kind of cut short because uh, they're from northern Oklahoma. Right. And, or at least my my brother and his his wife and their kids. But their little uh, their little town is in football playoffs for the first time in, like, forever. Oh, really? And, like, um, um, my niece is a cheerleader and all this. So they're going to go to that. Yeah, they're going to go to that on Friday. Neat. So they got to travel back. Wow. On Black Friday. On Black Friday. Wow, which is unheard of for them. Like, it's like, whoa. Right. That's the day. Right. So It's a big day for them. Yeah, I'm going out. <laughs> I'm opting outside. I'm yeah. taking my photos and sending them to REI. <laughs> well, my, uh, my mother is going to be with Blakely, or she's going to have... So, this is my one chance to sleep in and God knows how long. <laughs> so, I'm going to take that... Yes. And run with it, and it'll be awesome. Yeah, that'll be awesome. Yeah. So, so yeah, and just got back from Haiti. Yes. Tell so, us all about okay. your Haitian <clears throat> escapades. Well, it it was God-breathed Haitian again. Haitian escapades. Yes. Okay, good. So um, God shows up 
every time mm-hmm. without fail. And we turn it all over to him anyway. So we have this, we always have our plans. Right. We always have these things we want to do. Sure, logging off. Yeah, plan it all out. And we map it all down. Right. And my wife gets down to the very nitty-gritty details of everything. <laughs> yes, she does. And uh, <clears throat> But then God says, nope. What's that? It's God. And he, he says, says, nope. Stop it. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so uh, we were... We had a big team, by yeah. the way. We had 11 go this time, which is one of our bigger teams. And uh, a lot of them had never been on a mission trip, much less to a third world country. Right. So this was uh, a good eye-opening experience for a lot of them. There was a lot of God moments and a lot of lessons learned. And, uh, sure. And everyone got to meet our Haitian brothers and pastors down there and uh, got to enjoy some worship with them. And there were some God moments in the worship. I mean, it was just like crazy. Like... Things were just electrifying. Things were on fire. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, Loganoff, the island that we always go and serve, <clears throat> we, we do it in the back half of the trip so that those that are mm, more tender-footed can come on home. Sure. And those of us who want to adventure a little more, we travel on out to the to the island. Still really hard logistically to get there. we got to travel by boat an hour to get to the island. Then when we get to the island, we have a four to five to six hour drive to get to where we serve. And it's just ridiculous. Uh, But anyway, it's always rewarding. Um, Anyway, the last time we were there was back in the spring. They had been in a drought for the past three years. And I'm sure we mentioned it on the show. We prayed for rain. It rained that night. It was all kinds of stuff. We've been praying for rain ever since. Right. Okay, so this trip, we go down there. Our plan is to go to Longadoff again. Um, Raining so hard on the island that the roads are impassable. Hmm. So it's like, okay, God's answering our prayers. Absolutely. Which, by the way, impedes our trip. Right. <laughs> so um, it's really kind of cool because the Haitians, it wasn't raining on the day we were, we were supposed to leave. And uh, the Haitians uh, that are that lived over there, or the pastor that goes over there, he called us aside and was like, you know, you guys have got a flight out on Thursday. I don't think you're going to be able to make it back in time because um, there's no telling what will happen. Right. We could spend a day on the road out there. Um, you know, there's no telling. Sure. And you've got to be back by, to meet, to get your flight out. So he's like, I, I would suggest we don't go and we do something here locally. And so it's like, okay, so we sent the money to them and so that they could at their own leisure do the distributions that we would plan on doing over there. Right. Uh, but the cool thing is we didn't have anything planned in Merger, uh, but God led us through all kinds of cool stuff. And at the same time, blessed the Lakhanov residence with rain. And uh, so on Wednesday, I found it so cool. Wednesday, which was the day we would be traveling back from the island... Uh, it's raining, like nonstop, like just sheets right down all day long. And one of the Haitians comes into the room where we're all kind of hanging out, and he's like, Jeze Reme, which means Jesus loves me. <laughs> because we're not traveling back from the island. Right. <laughs> That's what he was saying. And because uh, we wouldn't have been able to get a boat. Right. We would have been trapped on the island. Lost your flight. So God was working in all of this. Definitely. And and, uh, and to top it off, he rewarded us a little bit with a, with a really cool spiritual moment. We went to 
uh, one of the pastors took us to a place that he called the mountain. Uh, basically, is a church that literally is up on a mountain, but it uh, it's in, still in the village. Um, but the name of the place is Mount Sinai. Interesting. Wow. So um, we go around to the back of this church building, and it's this beautiful court, courtyard. Um, anyway, he says, this is a holy place. You must take off your shoes. We thought, okay, this is kind of strange. So we take off our shoes. We go back there. There's Haitians everywhere out there, and they are all like praying, singing, dancing around. I mean, it's just like this this surreal place of prayer and praise that's happening. And he uh, pulled us aside. He was like, okay, Haitians come from all over this countryside here to pray. So much so that we consider it holy ground now. And he says, the spirit really moves here. (laughs) Uh, Your prayers will be amplified here. You know, that sort of thing. Sure. And so we prayed together. And that was pretty cool. And then he was like, so just wander around and pray and you praise and this sort of thing. And so I was like, okay, this is going to be a little awkward. But we started doing that. And dude, I'm, and I kid you not, I'm not over exaggerating this. I'm not empirical language here, but this is one of the most spiritual moments of my life. Wow. Two hours. Wow. Straight, praying, praising. Nothing but but that. Dude, I'm in tears. I'm shouting at points. I'm jumping at points. I got my I got my hands up in the air freaking out. I mean, this is like, wow, you know? <laughs> and then at one point I was just kind of collapsed on the on the the base of one of these trees and I was just praying and uh one of our teammates comes up to me and puts his hand on my shoulder while I'm praying. And I kind of look over, and he's just sobbing. <laughs> so it's like infectious. I mean, when you get right. all these people praying together, it's just like so powerful. And uh, man, I'm praying for everybody I know. Wow. And uh, at one point, uh, I was just set, sitting there singing, and one of the guys comes up to me, the, one of the pastors comes up to me, puts his hand on my shoulder, and he's like, hey, can you come over here and pray with me for this other man? I'm like, yes. So we go over there. This man's blind. And so we're praying over him. And it's like, you know, I have no doubt this guy's going to see again. I mean, like, that's the that's how powerful <laughs> this this whole experience was. Anyway, it was just amazing. We, we got in a truck to leave. And, and uh, one of the guys looks over at me and was like, dude, I've never experienced anything like that. That was just, like, amazing. I was like, yeah, I know, right? Wow. So even though we didn't get to go to Lagunov, we had this great moment with God. God wanted you at Mount Sinai. That was just sure beautiful. Wow. I mean, it was really cool. And I kept thinking to myself, man, I wish something like this would happen here in America. <laughs> but it was so, It's I, I just... What if we made it? Yeah. I mean, you get enough people that would, you know, get into it like they do. Like they get into it. Like right. they got nothing. And they, except for God. Like, right. And so it's so cool to worship with those people. I think it's amazing. Part of me <clears> thinks <throat> that's what's going that's what's going to take. Mm. Is for us to have nothing. I I wholeheartedly believe that. Like you won't see that type of thing here unless something drastic happens that starts taking away some of these privileges and these rights and these entitlements and I mean just like I mean I 
I love helping everybody, and there's a lot of poor people here, and I'll I'll help poor people here. But you know what? Like our our pantry there at the church, how much beans and rice do we still have? Because no one will take it. Right. If I took beans and rice to Haiti, man, it's gone in a day. Yeah. Like those those people, they're not turning their nose up to anything. Exactly. Um. But anyway, it's just an interesting thing mm. to to see that kind of poverty and what that poverty does to people, right? And how it makes them so faithful. And so, anyway, it led to a really good study um, <clears throat> about what poverty does and what despair does to your faith. Yeah. And so that's going to be primarily what I'm preaching about this weekend. That. You won't get to hear, but anyway. Uh, yeah, I'm kind of bummed about that. We need I'm, to start recording these again, by the way. Yeah, we'll get there. But you know what? At least we have a Theonauts over them. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll bring it into the Theonauts. Good. So you ready to get jumping into this? Yeah. Okay, we're on our series here. Well, it's interesting that you bring up poverty, and we've, we were talking about Haiti, because that's a lot of what we're going to be diving into in the second chapter of James. Um, so, if you remember the last time we did the series, I did James chapter 1, and we talked through the first chapter of James. And to recap, uh, the first chapter of James is all about how to uh, survive during suffering. It's all about uh, the true picture of Christians and how they react to suffering and to trials. So there were four really quick things I could run through. The first one, remember that testing is not temptation, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, So we need to remember that God does test us. He doesn't tempt us. That's, That's our own selfish problems. Whenever we're tempted to do something. It comes from within. It comes from within. Uh, But God's testing is to refine us, to make us more into the image of His Son, and to create in us uh, a perfect um, being. And that's that's the reason that we go through trials, is for that testing. And testing is an okay thing. Um, So that's the first thing that... uh, A a form of discipline, too. Exactly. Like it disciplines us... Like, I don't mean that as in a punishment, but I mean it disciplines us so that we are better servants. Right. <clears throat> so that was the, the first thing that James brought up. The second thing was having faith. He, he talks about if anybody uh, has a question, let him ask of God, or lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, but let him have faith, trusting that God's going to answer, uh, or trusting that God is with him and cares for him, mm-hmm. despite... What's going on? Let him not be a doubter. So over and over, James is, is saying, "Hey, don't don't doubt. Don't you know? Don't don't back off." Um, then James reminds us reminds us to that we need to focus. Uh, our focus doesn't need to be on the here and now, but on eternity. We need to focus on heaven. Uh, and the last the last thing that James says uh, in chapter one, and I'm going to read this part. Verse 22, he says, But be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. For he looks at himself, goes away, and at once forgets what he was like. 
but the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hero, hero who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. So the idea is we need to look into the perfect law of liberty. Yes. And we need to continually remind ourselves who we are in Christ. Mm. And that's that's his biggest message. If we do that, then man, we can overcome any problem or any circumstance if we continually remind ourselves that we are God's children in Christ. And that's yes. look into the concept of freedom. Exactly. Is another way of putting that. Not necessarily this whole concept of law is uh, not not from the standpoint of a bunch of rules and regulations, right? But the law, which is the um, more of a a concept, more of a like like the law of gravity, right? So we brought that up, and in that uh, that kind of verbiage is going to come up again at the end of chapter two. So moving on then to chapter two, James kind of switches gears a little bit, and he starts talking about a serious issue that's going on in the church at this time. But if you think about it, he really is continuing that from that last verse, which he was talking about right. um, guys who are who think they're religious. Yeah. Like if you think you're religious and you've got all this stuff, you, you're kind of high and mighty about it. Sure. But you're not taking care of people. You're not loving people. Right. Because he's like, true, true religion is to take care of widows and orphans. Right. He says, if you really want to get down to nitty-gritty, it's not about your attendance at synagogue. And, of course, that kind of leads into what you're going to start talking about here. Exactly. So, chapter 2, um, something that's going on in the church is, uh, is horrible. Now, um, background. James, the brother of Jesus, leader of the Church of Jerusalem, um, one of the leaders of the Church of Jerusalem. Um, what's going on right now? Well, he's writing this letter to... Uh, the Christians who are being dispersed uh, around the world because they are being persecuted, greatly being persecuted um, by the Romans on one side and the Jews on the other. Um, It is a very difficult time to be a follower of Jesus at this time. And so um, another thing that's going on is uh, this whole, whole idea of partiality. So in the midst of them being persecuted, there's, there's another thing going on in the church uh, which is this partiality, and actually the persecution lends to showing a partiality um, right. because they want to be so desperately like their Jewish brothers, and so well, that's who they were exactly. Like, I mean, they're just they're. It's hard to shed that skin, right? You're born and raised in that, exactly. So, chapter two, he starts out and he says, "My brothers, show no partiality, as you hold the faith." And I'm reading the ESV of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of Glory. For from man wearing a gold ring and fine clothes comes into your assembly, and a poor man wearing shabby clothes also comes in. And if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothes and say, you sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit down at my feet, have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers, has God not chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. 
Are not the rich the ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you are called? Okay, so something is clearly going on here. Yep. The there's partiality in the church, and James is that doesn't happen today, by the way. No, it doesn't. Sure, definitely. <laughs> We've outgrown that. Right. Well, we'll get to we'll get to us, but let's let's look back and see what's going yeah, on. What's here. going on with them? Well, <clears throat> um, they should know better than that. Yeah, they should. So apparently what's happening is a poor person comes in and they treat him like a servant, and then a rich man comes in and they give him the place of honor. Why is this? Well, the reason is is it's their Jewish tradition, their Jewish custom. It's something that they were raised in believing, and this is what they believed. If you were poor, God was punishing you for it. Um, You have committed some kind of atrocity, or your parents or your grandparents, or it could go back generations, mm-hmm. have committed some kind of atrocity against God, and he is punishing for uh, you for it. But right. if you are rich, born into rich, because most of the time you had to be born into being rich in the Jewish world, you didn't it's not the American way. No. You didn't start from nothing. It was passed the on to you. The American dream. That's right. Yeah. It's passed on to you. So if you were rich, then God obviously was blessing you because you had all this money and wealth and you had ease of life. So, and this comes from their Jewish tradition where God does come out and say, if you keep my commandments, I will bless you and, you know, expand your lands and all this stuff. But if you do not keep my commandments, I'll curse you. So they're taking that to the point where they're believing that uh, these people are absolutely, um, they're, you know, they're absolutely being uh, persecuted or not persecuted, but they're absolutely being punished for what they, you know, what they've done. Okay. And it's interesting that they, because this is kind of the same thing that that we we see today. There is this whole um, word of faith movement, mm-hmm. um, the whole Joel Osteen type of of uh, your best life now, <laughs> right? That 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 sort of of mentality that's tied to this. Uh, whenever God's promises, even the ones that they they were listening to, were more collective than individual. I think that's a problem that we, uh, that we have a lot of times when we're looking at some of the scriptures that he's talking collectively, you know that that I will bless you, uh, and not necessarily individually. Hmm. But yeah, that's something that they were they were uh, obsessed with, right? Well, uh, and I mean, this is not something that's new um, or something that's not seen in scripture. In fact, you can look in, uh, for instance. Um, Luke chapter, it's not chapter 5, it's actually chapter 4. If you look in Luke chapter 4, you'll see, um, I'm pretty sure it's, no, it's not Luke chapter 4. I forget where it's Just at. The, um, the guy who was blind? Yes, the blind from birth, dude. Did I write that down right? There's the paralytic on the roof. <laughs> so the guys were like, Hey, what did this guy do to deserve his blindness? Right. That that is that where you you were going? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. 
Dad gummit, I can't find it. Oh well. <laughs> yes. So you can look in scripture and you can read about the guy with the Yeah. The, we, the guy we're not going to spoon feed you. You've got to go out and find this stuff. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Sorry, it's a late night. So <laughs> you can uh um man, this is why I always do PowerPoints when I'm preaching. Because if I don't do that, then I just can't remember anything. But uh so he basically said he sees the guy, the blind man, and the the people say the disciples say, "Lord, who sinned so that this guy's blind like this? Is it him or is it his father's?" Right, and this you know that's a that's a perfect example of what we're talking about. And Jesus here. goes, "Neither one." Exactly, but but that my uh, but that God's power shall be displayed in right, this man. Right, right, and that's whenever he spits on the ground, puts some mud on the guy's eyes, exactly, and heals him. So um, this is a perfect example of. Right, uh, <laughs> what's going on here? Right, okay. They were still treating the poor poorly, and if you were rich, that meant you were righteous. Give me another example. The young ruler is a Sadducee. Okay, right. Yeah. Um, he sits on the Sanhedrin. No, he's a Pharisee. He sits on the Sanhedrin court. He's he's rich. He's young, and why is he rich? Because God has blessed him. Okay, and so people look at him and they see him and they think, "Man, this guy's awesome." And then Jesus blows his mind by saying, "You can't obtain, uh, you can't obtain yeah. eternal life sell until everything. you sell everything and give it to the poor." And <laughs> then what do his disciples say? They say, "Who can Man. be saved?" Yeah, this is a guy that we would think is very righteous. If anybody's going to heaven, it's this guy because he is. He's he's uh, kept the law. He's rich. He's a leader. He's obviously God has blessed him. So how in the world can anybody else be saved? And Jesus turns that whole thing on its head. And what does he say? It says he says it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man right. to inherit eternal life. And everybody's blown away by that statement. That is such a shocker to them. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's an earth shattering truth for them. And to give you. Another example, and this is where James is coming from when he says, wasn't it, wasn't it Jesus who, who basically said that these people were going to be given, the poor people are going to be given the kingdom of heaven? What he's referring to is the, the Beatitudes. So if you look in Luke chapter 6 and you read these, uh, verse starting in verse 20, he lifted up his eyes to his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, they exclude you, revile you, spurn you. Uh, Your name is evil. Rejoice on that day, leap for joy, and behold, your reward is great in heaven. For so their fathers did to the prophets. This This is taking their culture and turning it on its head here. That's exactly what Jesus is doing, and that's what James is pointing to. How in the world, why in the world is a poor man blessed? How can you call a poor man blessed? (laughs) Well, Jesus says that's the guy that's going to enter the kingdom of heaven. Right. That poor guy. And then then he pronounces the woes. Woe to you who are rich. You have received your consolation. You who are full now, you will be hungry. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, You who laugh now, you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when people speak well of you. So their fathers did to the false prophets. Mm-hmm. And so James is going back here in James chapter two and he's saying, guys, remember who we're supposed to be? 
We're supposed to be the very people, if we call ourselves followers of Jesus, then we should be speaking the same things that Jesus spoke. And what did Jesus say about the poor people? <laughs> right. Right? Jesus said that those guys are blessed. Jesus said that the rich people were the ones that weren't blessed. And here you are going back to your Jewish mindset, your original thought process going, well, that God's obviously blessed that guy. No, you're missing it. And because you're missing it, you're showing partiality, which is a cardinal rule break in the church. And James is very, very, very strict on this point. And we should be very, very strict on this point. Mm-hmm. Because the gospel is all about is all about equality. Yeah. You cannot have a gospel without equality. Well, everybody, yeah, because everybody is equally horrible. Exactly. <laughs> Everybody's, and we'll, we'll get to that. I'm, I'm jumping ahead of myself. But yeah. <laughs> that's what James is saying. James is saying, listen, you guys, you know what you're doing? The rich man comes in and you say, you know, sit in this good place. And then the poor guy comes in and you say, sit at my feet. You've made distinctions amongst yourself. You're ranking yourselves. Right, right. Who's holy and who's not. And And God doesn't want any part of this. Remember what Jesus said? Jesus says that the rich were the ones that, that, that are cursed and the poor are the ones that are blessed. And then he says, you've dishonored the poor man. And then he reminds them, are not the rich the ones who oppress you, the ones who drag you into court? Who were the ones oppressing them at the time? Yeah. The Sanhedrin court. So it's almost like he's talking to the middle class. <laughs> yeah. Because the middle class is elevating those that are rich and... uh and abasing those that are poor. But isn't it natural for the middle class to do that? Yes, because the middle class wants to be the upper class. Exactly. So their goal is to schmooze, to get into the good graces of the upper class. And and James is reminding him, you guys, you're pandering to the the enemy. Yeah. (laughs) You're going up to the guys that throw you in The guys that are rich are rich because they have exploited you and the poor. (laughs) Exactly. Which, by the way, if you go throughout the the entire Bible, half of the Psalms even are talking about how God is going to be upset with those who afflict the poor. Right. Which is exactly what what James is saying here. Okay, so it almost looks like in verse 8 that he's going to switch some gears, but he's not. He's he's staying on. And like I said, when I first read James when I was a kid, I used to think it was the ramblings of a madman or an old man that just liked to sit there and talk <laughs> because it seemed like he would switch gears so often and it didn't none of it flowed. Now that I read it... Like a grandpa that can't stay on the same topic. Exactly. Yeah. But now that I read it as, as an older guy, I, I get where he's coming from. It's all context. So well, and yeah, and once again, this this goes to how you read the Bible. Back to our hermeneutic studies. Yes, I mean you you are when you read this stuff with verses and chapter breaks and all this this sort of thing. It makes you want to separate it out and divvy it up. It gets disjointed. But if you read it as one letter, then it makes more sense. Well, I say it makes more sense. It you get the true understanding of it. 
Right. Instead of just reading them verse by verse. Right. And so, you know, we need to make sure that that we're doing that and and looking at this in context, especially at the end of this chapter. Yes. Which can be so taken out of context. It's not funny. And is probably one of the most taken out of context pieces of scripture, I think, in in the entire Bible. Because if you just look at the words and go word for word, there's a verse in here. That is exactly the opposite of a verse in Romans 4. Right. Like, it is exactly the opposite. But you know what? I think it's also exactly the opposite of what James is trying to say <laughs> in the entire chapter, if you take the entire chapter, right. for what it's saying. And that's the thing. Anyways, uh, and it's the reason Martin Luther called James a book of straw, because he you know, he couldn't wrap his mind around it. But this is it. Okay, so. But he struggled with Romans 2 before he got it. Right. Okay, here we go. Okay. Verse 8, chapter 2. If you really fulfill the royal law according to Scripture, what's he talking about here? The Shema. The Shema, which is smack dab in the middle of uh, of the the Torah, yeah. which uh, says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord of God, the Lord is one God. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. You shall love your neighbor, neighbor as, yourself. as yourself. And that's the part that James is pulling out. He says uh-huh. in verse 8, if you really fulfill the royal law, according to Scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. Okay, why is he bringing this up? Well, again, you have to look at their culture. Yeah, these are law keepers. These are law keepers. And they believed that the rich people were obviously blessed by God because they were righteous, and the poor people were obviously cursed by God, and they're not righteous. Okay? And that's the reason they're poor. So then he brings up, okay, you you want to talk about you want to talk about who's righteous and who's not righteous? You want to talk about you want you want to do it we'll do it. Let's let's do a judgment. Let's if you want to be judges, evil judges, that's what he calls them. Mm-hmm. If you want to do that, then let's talk about that. Remember the Shema? What does the Shema say? The Shema says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Yep. So what are you doing? And Jesus himself claimed that was the greatest commandment. Yes, that's right. So he's pulling it back out. He's like, and what are you doing? You're showing partiality. Guess what? Sin. You're committing sin. You're convicted by the laws of transgressors. Now, all of a sudden, who's righteous and who's not righteous then, guy? Mm-hmm. Are are you righteous? Obviously not. You're showing partiality. Yep. And then he says, verse 10, whoever keeps the whole law but fails at one point has become guilty of all of it. He who said do do not commit adultery also said do not murder. If you do not commit adultery but do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So in other words, he's like, you think you're righteous just because, well... I don't do that. I'm not like that guy. Obviously, that guy's poor because he did something horrible. Yeah. He might have murdered somebody or his family might have murdered somebody or, you know, maybe he cheated on his wife or, you know, he committed adultery or he at least thought about it. (laughs) I'm not that guy. (coughs) Well, by saying I'm not like that guy, what are you doing? You're making yourself like that guy. In other words... There's a sin that's happening, and one sin is not greater than the other sin. And that's exactly what he's saying. Once, once you commit sin, you're a lawbreaker. Right. 
and so no lawbreaker has the inheritance. So, so that's what he's basically saying. Exactly. So if you want to go back to the Mo, uh, the the Hebraic law, if you want to go back to the Mosaic law, and you want to judge people based off the Mosaic law, mm-hmm. good luck, buddy. That's what he's saying. Yeah. Right. Because he who's broken one of those laws is guilty of all of them. Mm-hmm. You might as well be a murderer. You might as well be a prostitute. You might as well be a drunkard. You might as well be any of those things. Because yeah, it doesn't matter how good you are. Exactly. You cannot make up for the transgression. Exactly. And so he's saying, <laughs> if you want to judge on that level, we'll judge on that level. Now, where do you stand? And the answer is, well, I guess I kind of stand condemned. And that's the answer, yeah. right? right? We all right. stand condemned. There's no better. There's no worse. Why in the world do we treat rich people better and poor people worse? In the church today, why in the world do we treat this guy who got divorced four times worse than this guy who's addicted to porn, but it's a secret sin? Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And that's what we do. We have a natural tendency to rank people based on who they are in our culture and in our our own... And we rank these sins. Yes. And when you stop and think about it, it's like, especially here in America, we have such an upside-down view of some of these things. Oh, yeah. I mean, coming back from Haiti, it's really hard for me to watch the gluttony of America (laughs) and go... Oh, okay. Everyone thinks that they're good with God, <laughs> and, and it's just like, oh man, it's like <laughs> it, you feel good because you're not committing this heinous act. You know, you're talking to a uh, an ex Southern Baptist pastor who, uh, you know, who's ninety percent of my friends who are Southern Baptist pastors are at least at the least twenty pounds overweight. <laughs> <laughs> You know, yeah, and then th- we stand up there on pulpits and we preach about the sins of all these other things. But when that twelve fifteen hits, you better yeah. believe we're high off the hog. Yeah, we're hitting the golden corral after this, buddy. <laughs> that's right, fried chicken, <laughs> bless my soul. <laughs> and that's the truth. Yeah. Oh man, and, and uh, that's just one example. I mean, we've got idolatry coming out our oh, eyeballs and ears. One hundred percent. So yeah. I mean, it's 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 like we're just surrounded with sin. Yeah. And don't even know it. Like right. we don't even. Oh, it's not that big of a deal, right. you know. But no, it is a big. It is a big deal. I mean, there are things that you have that you have placed in front of God, and that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, man, it's it's just like this has such modern day uh, relations. Like like it relates to us. Yeah. From a modern day's perspective, as much or more than it did them. Right. We do the same thing. It may not even be the rich versus poor thing, but it could be all kinds of other things. Uh, the guy who's dressing nice. The guy. I mean, you. We judge on all different levels. Yeah. So that guy that comes in. He's missing half his teeth. He's smoking all the time. You know. Oh man, that guy's here again. And that happens so much. It's an unbelievable thing. And really honest, if, if I am honest with myself, it happens to me mm-hmm. all the time. I don't want to sit down and be associated with that guy who smells like cigarettes. Mm-hmm. Or sit down and be associated with that guy who's, who smells like alcohol all the time. And who obviously hasn't had a bath in a couple <laughs> weeks. Right. I don't want to be... 
by that person who just is the most annoying person that you can ever, mm-hmm. you know, go by. And but if you stopped and looked at each one of them's lives, you would see all this history that led to them to the, be where they are. Yeah, pain, suffering, um, brokenness. Mm. Which, if we look into our own lives. We have our own levels of brokenness, and we have our own levels of pain, and we our sins are just different, right? And so James is saying, if you're going to judge on that, then the reality is, everybody stand, stands condemned. Yeah. You you better not judge on that, and that's what leads him to verse twelve. I I love verse twelve and verse thirteen are some of my favorite verses in all of scripture. Of all of scripture, <laughs> yeah, it's very powerful. Therefore, so then, mm-hmm. speak and act as those who are judged under the law of liberty. That's a big, bold statement. What is he saying? He's saying you better not act like you're better than anybody. Yeah. Because if you're doing that, guess what? <clears throat> you're trying to judge under the law of condemnation, Yeah. which was given through the Levitical law, Yes. Which shows us that we are all standing condemned. But there is another law. There is one a, that brings freedom. A law through Jesus Christ that says, Through my blood, you are all made perfect. Hmm. I see you. God sees you as perfect. When I look down upon you, I don't see the guilt. I don't see the shame. I don't see this sin. I see my son, Jesus' blood. And that's a big, bold statement that James is saying. James is saying, if you're going to judge that guy, then you better judge him on the law of liberty. Yeah. And you better look Which at him. Which is the same law that you've been blessed with. Right. Yeah. When you look at this person, do you see Jesus? Mm. That's what he's really saying here. Yeah, yeah. When you look at that guy, the poor guy, <laughs> the rich guy, all of them, when you look at them, who do you see? What do you see? Do you see somebody who's been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb just like you? Mm-hmm. And if you do that, then guess what? Man, you guys are equals. You're brothers yes. and sisters in Christ and joint heirs. He's Jesus. basically saying, look, act like <laughs> someone who's been given grace. Right. That's what he's saying. Yeah. He was like, look, you've been given grace. You've been given this principle of freedom. Right. And because this term law confuses people. Right. James is almost, once again, he did this in the first chapter. He's doing it again now. This is a tongue in cheek statement. Yep. He's like, You want law? Let me tell you about law. You want religion? Let me tell you about religion. Okay. He's not he's not saying here, okay, there's a new law and there's a new uh religion. He's not he's not doing that. What he's saying is your concept of law and your concept of religion is wrong because it that's the part that was there to teach you about faith in Christ. Sure. He says, so the new law, the new religion is about understanding grace, understanding that this is a principle. This is not this is no longer a list of rules. This is a principle of freedom, a principle of grace that is given to you. So remember that and act like that and speak like that. Yeah. And that's what they weren't doing. Like they weren't speaking. They weren't acting under that. 
And of course, verse 13 is just like so big. He's like, right. judgment is merciless for those who have shown no mercy. But mercy triumphs over judgment. <laughs> One of the greatest statements in the whole of Bible. Yeah. The m- mercy triumphs over judgment. over judgment. That's right. Amen. I mean, mm. that, that is, that's what he's telling him. You have to remember that mercy is what... Okay, so what is missing in your life as these people are coming into your synagogue? Mercy. Right. Let's assume sin led those people to where they are. Let's assume that the guy who comes into your church smelling like cigarettes, smelling like B.O., sm- just being obnoxious or whatever is there because of his sin. Mm. Let's assume that, okay? Mm. We'll give it to you. Where's your mercy? Because mercy triumphs over judgment the same way mercy triumphed over judgment for you because your sins may not smell like cigarettes your sins may not smell like body odor, but your sins stink just as bad to God. That's right. That's so, right. Man, and, I love that. And that's the, mm-hmm. you know, that first part leads us into the second part, which, you know, most of our Bibles have this huge divider. Yeah. And separation what between... What I'm looking at right here does. 13 and 14. Faith and works together. Yes. We're fixing to change gears. That's right. But it doesn't change gears. All it's doing is it's adding on... What he's been talking about. So basically what's happening is these people are calling themselves followers of Jesus, but they're not showing themselves to be followers of Jesus. Right. Why is that? Because they're not giving mercy to everybody else. Right. They are not treating everybody else. They're not looking at the royal law. Which is the, the law Shema. of liberty. Of, well, yeah, what he says there oh, is yeah. that royal law, which is the love your neighbors yourself, right? Which is largely what this next part is about. Exactly, is it's 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 all about love, right? It's not about works. I mean, don't get don't get confused by the wording here, right? This this passage is not about works. Uh-uh. It's about love being displayed through yes what you do. Right, but because I mean, you can say you love somebody, but that doesn't mean anything. Right. Ultimately, your acts yeah. is what demonstrates whether or not you really love somebody. Right. So this passage, this second half of this pa- of this chapter, is not a- against faith. Right. It's not an, an argument against faith. It is an argument of an empty faith. Right. Statements. That have no action. Right. That have no meaning. Right. And that's really where we're going. And so, yeah, these people are saying that they're they're followers of Yeshua, they're followers of Jesus, yet they've forgotten what Jesus teaches about the rich and the poor, and they've forgotten the Shema. Yeah. <laughs> and so they're not acting upon the law of liberty, which is their freedom in Christ, and this is where he leads it to, verse 14. Yeah. So what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but doesn't have works. Can that faith save him? I want to I want to to put a little asterisk on here. Okay. Okay, so this is I'm going to read from the NET. Yes. The NET in the same verse says, "What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but does not have works, can this kind of faith save him?" That kind is a very important thing. There. I think this is a very good translation because 
what he's because this captures the thought of what he's saying. He's not pitting faith versus works. No. He's pitting this kind of faith that they are proclaiming against works. What he's talking about is a false faith. Yes. A non-real faith. It's not a true faith. Right. For example, I can say that I'm a duck. I can I can walk around and I can act like a duck. Right? I can I can quack. I can I can waddle. Must be a duck. You know, I can do all these things, but am I a duck? The answer is, well, no, I'm a human, right? Well, another good example that I've used before is, I mean, there's several of them that you can use, but, okay, if I said Jeremiah's a good shot with a, with a rifle, so much so, I believe that he could shoot an apple off my head at 50 feet. <laughs> now, that's a statement of faith. faith yeah. That's a statement of faith. But is it real faith? Because real faith has a trust element right. to it. And that trust element leads to actions. Yeah. So if I handed Jeremiah the rifle to prove my point and stepped off 50 foot, now that's faith. Yeah. Beforehand, it was just a statement of belief. Right. And I think that's the main difference that we're seeing sure. here. And for me, it, you know, it's it's the difference between has God really, according to Romans 12, made you a new creation? Right. Or are you just saying that? If you truly have faith, then that faith naturally will lead to works. For instance, I have faith in the chair that I'm sitting in. We practice faith on a daily basis, and we don't even think about it. Right. Whenever I woke up this morning... I got out of bed and what I flipped on the light. When I flipped on the light, I practiced faith. Yeah, I had faith that when I turned, flipped that switch open, that the the light would come on. Mm-hmm. When I came into this room, and, and whenever that light blows out, you're truly not expecting it, <laughs> right? Absolutely, like, like you're expecting the light to come on. Exactly, it's just a natural. Thing. Like you know that light is going to come on. It's and a then, believing and, faith. And then whenever it doesn't happen, it's like what? Right. <laughs> Whenever I came in this room, I sat down in this chair. I didn't give it two thoughts sitting down in this chair. Yeah, I'm glad. A lot of people, a lot of people who actually should give two thoughts about sitting down in chairs, (laughs) you know. But it's it's a natural thing. I didn't give it two thoughts. I I sat down in the chair and voila, the chair held me up. I had faith (laughs) that the chair was going to hold me up, and it at least so far the chair hasn't broken. Did yeah this. It's a good sturdy chair. <laughs> so, you know, but there are other chairs that you sit, you look at, and you go, and "That's a little iffy." It's iffy, right? <laughs> Better not sit on that one. But practicing faith is what you sit on it. Now, I could stand up, and this is what I say to my youth kids all the time. Mm-hmm. And I'll get to the scripture, but I can stand up and I could point at that chair and I could say, "I have faith that that chair will hold me." Mm. If I sit down, I'll, that chair will hold me. Yeah, you know, I, I have faith. Now, what are we doing? And and the difference is, and, and then I'll ask him, what's what's the difference? I haven't I haven't shown that faith. Yeah, that faith isn't a real faith because it's not a it's not an active faith. It's not a saving faith. And what I think is cool about it, what you're about to get into here is he goes right back to the Shema without even saying it, but that's what he's doing. Right, and he's not going back into a bunch of of ritualistic religious practices, right? He's not going to talk about any of that stuff. He's going to talk about application in love. Right. 
So, okay, here we go. Verse 15, right? Verse 15. If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warm and filled, without giving him the things needed for the body, what good is that? So is faith by itself. If it does not have works, it's dead. Woo. Now, that's a creepy statement right there, and it almost yeah. seems like it contradicts everything that we've been teaching in the past five weeks before this, which was the Reformation, right? right. Um, and it doesn't at all. That's not what it's talking about. Salvation is by faith through grace, and that is absolutely true. But you know what that faith is? That faith requires a stepping, mm-hmm. right? It requires a step out. And so he he's bringing, you're exactly right, he's bringing up the Shema again. He's bringing up the idea that these people are lip service people and not right. action people. Yeah. They're, Jesus did the exact same thing. Right. These people draw near to me, or he's quoting Isaiah, these people draw near to me with their lips, mm, but, their, but their heart is far from me. Exactly. And the reason is, is because they are not loving their neighbor as themselves. Real faith, active faith, will be going up to the guy that you know has head lice and has not taken a shower in two weeks mm-hmm. and giving him a straight up hug. Yeah. There's those there's those moments like when we were in Loganov one time and it's like these people were like, You need to come pray for this woman, she's very sick. And we go into this woman's house and she's like coughing up a lung yeah. and everything else, and we're like, wait a minute, we're out in the middle of nowhere with no medical assistance. And it's like we're gonna come in here and lay our hands on this lady that but you know, at those moments whenever you you just let faith take over and right. just do what you need to do. Yeah. And so these people, again, we have to go up and we have to judge this <laughs> latter half of the chapter by the earlier half of the chapter. It's not disjointed. He's right. been talking about this. Right. He's been saying that, listen, you guys are judging other people, treating them unfairly, which tells me that you have a faith without works. Mm-hmm. Because if you had a real saving faith, then it would lead you to love your neighbor as yourself. Right. That's true faith leads us to honoring Jesus. It's not out of out of uh guilt or out of condemnation, but it's out of love. True faith leads us into following Jesus. And if we're really following our rabbi, then we're going to love our neighbor as ourselves yeah. naturally. Well, it's it's like a good example of this is fire and smoke. Yes, that's the best example fire, I've ever heard. Fire and smoke go together. Right. Like you, like if something is being cons- – when you oh, a fire is burning, it is consuming something. Right. It is consuming something uh, through oxygen and fuel, but it's producing something too. It's producing smoke. smoke. And when you see the smoke, you know there's a fire. Right. So when you see the works, you know there's a faith. The, the, the two go together. It's not the smoke – that's important. It's the fire that is important. That's exactly right. So if faith is the fire, but works, works is the smoke. Are the smoke. It's yes. the result that comes from what is happening in the fire. Right. So also faith by itself, and that's what he's talking yeah. about. Faith by itself, if it doesn't have works, is dead. It's it's not real. It's mm-hmm. it's it's you can't. It's non existent. It's non existent. It doesn't, you know, it's there's, there's nothing there. Verse 18, someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, 
In other words, can you have faith apart from works? Mm-hmm. The answer there emphatically is no. Yeah. Because it's not real. And I will show you my faith by my works. That's That key statement right there, I think, is so important for us to understand the next verses. Mm-hmm. Because what he's trying to say here, he's not juxtapositioning faith versus works. What he's saying is, real faith is always accompanied by works. Yeah. I will that, show you my faith. is faith. evident yes. by works. I will show you my faith by my works. Now, what comes first in this scenario? Faith. Saving right. faith comes first, right. and it is preceded, or it's not preceded, it's proceeded by works. It's always what's next is works. So, anyways, you believe that God is one, going back to the Shema, yeah. you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Mm. Okay, so th- this brings up a good point I want to make. We often correlate the word faith with the word believe. Mm-hmm. Like even the even the translators do this a lot, uh, even though the the underlying Greek words are different. But but belief is not the best synonym for faith. Right. I believe. Trust is a better synonym for faith than belief. <laughs> because you can, uh, okay, just like I was saying about the shooting the apple off the head type of thing, right. there's a statement of belief, that, and that is belief. Yeah. But whenever I hand you the, the, wep- the gun, that becomes trust. Because now I have something. I have something in the game. Exactly. Right. There's a good. There's a good story of about um, a tightrope walker who walked across right. uh, this tightrope at Niagara Falls, and he would do it. And um, wait, he was doing all these tricks out there. And then he got this wheelbarrow, and he was like, "Okay, do you guys believe that I can do this with the wheelbarrow? That I can walk across the tightrope with a wheelbarrow?" And this little boy, all of them were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And this one little boy was amongst them. And so the tightrope walker, uh, the great Blondin, he says to uh, he says to the little boy, well, get into the wheelbarrow and let's find out. And he was like, no. <laughs> right. So that's a statement of belief. The little boy believed that he could do this feat. Right. But if his neck is on the line, No. So that's not faith. Right. So that goes back into this whole idea that, that he says that, that if you say you believe, that's one thing. God, you know, that's, that's good in a way that you say you believe in God, but devils do that. Demons believe. Right. And he really is picking at the Shema now. Mm-hmm. What he's doing is he's, 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 he's throwing this at them. Be- why is that? Because any good Jewish person... Oh, they know this. They they knew it's, the Shema. It's bound on their forehead. That's right. It's bound on their for- the forearms. It's written it's on the doorpost on of their, their doorpost. House. And yeah. so these people, this was their, this was their uh, you know tradition, and he's throwing it back in their faces. You know that verse, and so you spout it out. Yep. We believe that God is hero Israel, the Lord our God, the yep. Lord is one. Deuteronomy 6. Exactly. And so they'll spout it out. And he says, you believe that? You do well. Even the demons believe in Shudder. He's comparing these people who are saying that they have faith in Jesus, but are not showing it to demons, by the way. Very yeah. interesting. Uh, do you want to be shown, you foolish? I mean, he is getting harsh here. You foolish person. 
that your faith, apart from works, is useless? All right, let's talk about some of the patriarchs. Verse 21, was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works. Now, I love people take verse 21 away from (laughs) verse 22, and they cut it up, and they're able to say, well, then, obviously, he's justified by works. Because that's what it says. Yeah. No, that's not what he says. Look at the whole thing. Don't cut up your verses. Was Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along, alongside his works. And faith was completed by his works. So um, to, to tie into this, okay, let's let's also... And I'm going to do this a couple of times here. Let's jump back to Romans 4 mm-hmm. and see what Paul has to say about this. Because once again, people tend to pit Paul against James. They're not on opposite sides. No. Like they're on the same sides. But some of this, some of the wording seems completely Makes it feel opposite. Like opposite yeah. Right. So in Romans 4, verse 1, it says, What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. Mm. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. So there's like this almost... Almost exact opposite. So let's talk about the story then. Okay. That's what we need to do. In order to understand this, we have to talk about the story. So what happens? So uh, God calls Abraham and says, take your son, your only son Isaac, go up and sacrifice him on Mount Horeb, right? Yes. That's what he says. So Abraham saddles his donkey, calls along island. Three days uh, journey. Three days journey. So they're riding along and Isaac says to him, uh, Dad, I see the fire. I see the the knife. I I see the the stuff for the you know. We got the wood. I've been carrying it up the hill. Exactly. Um, where's the lamb? And and Abraham says this statement, and the statement is, God Himself will provide the lamb. So we see two things happening here. We see Abraham having faith in God, to provide. And what is he doing? He's acting upon that faith. Yeah, and let's back up even a little bit. So God tells Abraham, I need you to take this son, your only Only son, son, the promised son, the one you've been waiting a hundred (laughs) years to have. We're going to take that son <laughs> and we're going you're going to kill him. Yeah. You're going to sacrifice him. Child now, sacrifice. Now, the what's the first thing you have to do before you jump on board with this? Well, it according to Hebrews chapter 11 it said Abraham had faith mm. that 
this is God's problem. Right. That he would have to resurrect Isaac. Right. That no matter what, God has already promised great things through Isaac, and so it's not my problem. Right. I, and so that's what gave him the ability to do the quote-unquote works that justified him. Exactly. So James is pointing out a different aspect of Abraham's faith mm-hmm. than Paul. It's not that they're against each other. They're pointing out two sides of the same coin. Right. Faith and works. Mm-hmm. And he's saying that his faith was followed by his works. That's exactly what James is saying here. And that's why it was a justifying faith. Exactly. Was because it was a trust that believed he didn't know that God was going to stop his hand. Like Hebrews said, he was just saying, even if God had to resurrect the kid, right? I've, I have faith enough to do this work. Right. So, verse 22, you see that faith was active along with his works. Mm. Faith was completed It was by, perfected, it yes. It was perfected. It was perfected by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. He was called a friend of God. Okay, let's stop there for a second. The scripture was fulfilled that said what? That Abraham <laughs> believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. The same verse that Paul pointed out. Exact same verse. In Romans 4. Exactly. So he is saying here, he's saying the same thing Paul's saying. He's not arguing with the fact that Abraham's belief is what justified right. him. And there's, his belief is what counted. It was, but it was the works that made that belief viable. Exactly. Oh, okay. So you see, verse twenty-four, that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And that little verse right there <laughs> has been the cause of so much scorn and. You mean it's not sola fide? Struggle. And that's not what it's saying. You have to look back and you have to read all the way through. So hopefully now that we've read the context of this scripture, Mm -hmm. you can see how what he's saying is it's it's faith that's followed by works. If you have faith alone, quote unquote, it's not real faith. It's belief. And it's different than faith. Real faith is stepping out into the unknown, trusting God through through the unknown in or in <clears throat> in showing that through our works. Yeah. And that's exactly what it's saying here. It's not about works that saves you. That's you're missing the boat if you say that your works save you. Well, and the simple fact is that that God gave us the entire New Testament. Yeah. Like the Holy Spirit gave us the entire New Testament. Are you going to let one verse outweigh (laughs) the volumes of verses that Paul gave us Right. to say that this nullifies all those statements that Paul talked about? No, it's it's not there to do that. Like this, this is it's it's a wording issue. It's a semantics issue. That's right. And if you read the entire context, you see that what he's saying is not what you think he's saying. If you take this verse out of its context, if you pull the verse by itself and you and you say this, oh my goodness, 
You have a lot of problems, and the Bible contradicts itself. Yeah. In but, fact, in fact, if that verse, if you pulled that verse out alone and took it just as it is worded, um, no one's saved. Right. Because no one's going to do enough work to be justified. Exactly. There's no... There's no amount of work you can do that will justify you in the eyes of God. That's right. None, period. So you have to put this verse in its context. And guys, this is why why understanding context is so important. This is why exegesis is so important. This is why we need to read the entirety of what the the writer is saying. Mm -hmm. Not just nitpick or cherry pick our little verses whenever we're trying to put together a, a topical sermon. We need to be careful with that stuff because what we can do is end up really botching what the author's intent was, and that's not what that's not what James' intent was. Right? Let the Bible interpret itself. That's right. Don't don't pit it against itself. No, you can't. Okay. And in the same way, was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another by another way? Nobody ever really hits on that verse, but it's a very <laughs> interesting little uh, little tidbit. So he's bringing up another example of Rahab the prostitute, mm-hmm. and what is she doing? She's showing faith that those messengers are going to carry the message back to the to the people of Israel and make good on their promise. Make good on their promise. Yep, by letting them go and not screaming guard. Right, right. right. And so this is basically again. This is having faith, and then showing it through works. For as the body apart from the Spirit is dead, so also apart from our faith apart from works is dead. And you know what's funny is that when people like uh, Martin Luther say that we are justified by faith alone, um, he's not saying anything different than what, chap- what verse 26 is saying. Uh-uh. Like, um, he's not saying that that there are no accompanying works. Mm-mm. What he's saying is that the works can't save alone. Nuh-uh. That faith is what leads to works. Faith has to precede works, is what he's saying. Right. We have to have faith first before we can produce works. We are justified prior to the work. Exactly. It, because it has to be a gift from God. It has to be something that God does. We can't save ourselves. Mm-hmm. If it's just works, it's pointless. We have faith in Jesus, and through that, then we start naturally producing works. <clears throat> and you know, coming out of a, out of a background that, that focused on works so much, one of the things that really messed with my head was, okay, so I'm an engineer, a software engineer. So I tell the computer what to do and it does it. Right. Now, if I don't tell the computer to do, if I don't, if I'm not, if I don't include a line of code that says to do a certain thing, the computer's not going to do it. Right. And if I'm not very explicit about what I want to happen, I'm not going to get the results I want. Right. Okay. So coming from that background, I started thinking about my Christian life. So when you are thinking in terms of works being the key Mm. to your salvation, the problem then becomes, so if I say to you, feed the poor, 
Okay. Logically, the next thing would be, okay, I'm going to go out here and I'm going to take this homeless guy out to eat. Bam, I'm saved. (laughs) Is that right? Well, no, because what about the rest of the 70 years or 80 years I have left in my life or whatever? (laughs) You know, it's like, okay, so um, am I done because I paid for that one guy's meal? No, but wait a minute, I did what was commanded. I fulfilled the works, right? But then there's another homeless guy. Okay, so do I do it twice? Three times? Four times? Five times? At what point do I become, quote-unquote, justified by these works? Mm. And that's the problem I had as an, from an engineering, a logistics standpoint. It's like there is no point where that ever ends. Mm-mm. And it's not just feeding somebody. That's just one commandment. What about all these other commandments that are just scattered all throughout the New Testament? Right. You know? um, uh, let's say communion or whatever. Do I miss? If I miss communion, have I just totally blown my salvation? Hmm. You know, I mean, the thing is, when you really stop and you put your mind to this and you apply it, you start going, it's impossible. I can't feed every hungry person on the planet. Right. I can't even feed every hungry person I encounter in my walk, much less the ones I seek out, but the ones that I just casually come across. Yeah. I can't do it. So, and it's not, and there's so many commandments. There's so many people that are in need, not just hungry, needing clothes, needing homes, uh, etc. What about preaching the gospel? How many times do I walk past somebody I probably should have preached the gospel <laughs> to? We've got all these commands. Right. So if I miss one person I could have preached the gospel to, it just, from a logistic standpoint, it's impossible. And that's whenever I realize there has to be another answer. Sure. Because if this is the case, if if works is what does it for me, and I have to obey all these commandments, where's the end? Where, where do I find my assurance? At what point can I go, okay, I'm good with God? If and, it's based on yourself, you can't. Right. That's that, the and, thing. And that's the logical con- conclusion you'll come to if you really stop and think about it. And it's why James can't be meaning what right. a lot of people want him to mean. Right. Because if James meant that, no one is saved. Period. Right. No one is saved. That's the truth. Because no one's going to do enough works to be justified in the mind of God. Amen. And that's just the bottom line. Amen. So when it says the 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 body apart from the spirit is dead, so faith apart from works is dead. It's telling us right there in that verse, faith and works go together. That's right. It has to be one and then the other. Yeah. And that's the way it works. And so be, again, just be cautious with how you how you do your hermeneutics. Yeah. And really, really study Scripture to see what it's saying. Put it against other Scripture. And don't ever think that just taking one little verse out of context works. 
because it yeah. doesn't. And that's not what God wants us to do with his holy word. So that's all I got for tonight. All right, let's roll on it. Okay. Did you and say now, roll yeah. on it? Roll on it. <laughs> all right. Let's roll on it. Uh, report. China wants Christians to replace pictures of Jesus with ones of their president. Um, yeah. According to South China Morning Post, the Communist Party... Uh, you mind if I eat chips while we do this? Sure. The Communist... Go ahead. The Communist part of China has asked Christians living in Yungin uh, County of Jiangxi Province to replace Christian images in their homes with pictures of President XI Yingping and 453 households are reported to have complied so far. Mm. Sounds legit. The efforts to rein in overt displays of Christian allegiance is reported to be a part of a larger movement initiated by the Chinese government to increase restrictions on religious gatherings. Many churches in the Yungin area are removing crosses from their buildings, and local police have cracked down on local gatherings, detaining a local pastor as well as believers as young as three years old from singing in a park. Get that three-year-old. Shut him up. <laughs> Jesus loves you. Can you me. imagine living in yeah. that, that type of society, though? That's hard. Yeah. And you know what? It might be a weed out the sheep from the wolves. So. Okay. Uh, in other news. genuine faith, I'm sure. That's right. Over there. Cards Against Humanity is purchased part of Mexican's <laughs> border to present the wall from being built. Have you heard about that? No, but I think it's kind of funny. Because Cards Against Humanity, as crazy as that game is, the, uh, the, every year, you know, they do weird things. Right. Like, every year, those guys are like, donate $5 to us, and you get nothing. Exactly. And people would give them, like, $70,000. I know, they made for of nothing. That it's yeah. so crazy. Well, this time, they're doing something very political. The makers of the game... <laughs> Uh, are running a campaign in which they promise to save America, and their first move is already gaining headlines. They just purchased a vacant lot on the U.S. border to As if Mexico. That wall is getting built anyway. in an effort to prevent the wall that President Trump has pledged to build from uh, being completed. They explain on their site. We've purchased a plot of vacant land on the border and uh, retained a law firm specializing in eminent domain to make it a part time as a time make it as time consuming and expensive as possible for the wall to get built. They are asking fans of their controversial party game for horrible people to pledge fifteen dollars. <laughs> And at different points in the next month, they will roll out the next surprise phase of their plan along with some prizes for <laughs> They donors. have a surprise phase. Yeah. Their yes. injustice, lies, racism, the whole enchilada surprise packs. That's what it's called. Injustice, lies, the racism, and the whole enchilada surprise packs sold out within a day of launching. <laughs> Every year, man. Like, I saw one of them that was like. You know what crack me up, though? If I were President Trump, this is what I would yeah. do. Let's move the border back. <laughs> to where Just they build a wall. Build a wall around, around their property. Them. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> it's not like this is going to amount to anything really. Right. Because these guys have done this type of thing. What was the, the last thing they did? It was like, we're going to dig a hole. Yeah. As long as, as long as you're giving money, we're going to dig, dig a, a hole. hole. And they just dug a hole. 
Yeah. It's like, that's what you paid for. <laughs> we should do something like that. Theonauts, we're going to dig a hole. Yeah. Something tells me we just will not get this support. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> probably not. We haven't sold thousands and thousands of, right. uh, of inappropriate games. <laughs> All right, Netflix has announced that they will be releasing a new series called Messiah, which is based on the life of a modern-day Jesus. According to Relevant Magazine, the series is being produced by Christian producer couple Roman Downey and Mark Burnett, who oh, also produced the popular miniseries The Bible. And A.D. That's right. Which actually was a pretty good show. Yeah. It chronicles the modern world's reaction to a man who first appears in the Middle East, creating a groundswell of followers around him, claiming he is the Messiah. Is he sent from God, or is he danger, a dangerous fraud bent on dismantling the world's geopolitical order? The story unfolds from multiple points of view, including a young CIA agent, an Israeli Shin Bet officer, a Latino preacher, and his Texan girlfriend, Texan daughter, sorry, a Palestinian <laughs> refugee, and the media, among others. The series creator, Michael uh, Petroni, added, Messiah is a series that will have the audience asking big questions. What if someone showed up in 2018 among strange occurrences and was thought of to be the Messiah? What would society do? How would the media cover him? What would the millions simply would millions simply quit work? Could governments collapse? <laughs> Said Downey and Burnett. It's a series that could change everything. So be dun, looking, dun, dun. looking for Messiah in Netflix. <laughs> Cracks me up. Um, Ohio Senate uh, has voted to <clears throat> our vetoes to outlaw abortion for Down syndrome babies. Ohio right to life president Mike Gundykus was pleased to have Senate Bill 164 moved one step closer to outlawing the abortion of child with child uh, with a, of a child with Down syndrome. There's a reason that 99% of the people with Down syndrome are happy with their lives, Gundyke has said, added. They live joyfully in a way that is contagious to others. We are happy that the Ohio Senate recognizes their lives are worth li living. A lot of people are asking if the law is really necessary. Um, my answer is any law that stops abortion is necessary. Yeah. So That's pretty cool. Good that job, cool. Ohio. I like that. Yeah, me too. All right, so they've done a a poll on what your pastor really wants for Christmas. Two front teeth. Number one is books, books and more books. Yeah. Number two, a vacation. <laughs> Number three, babysitting. That's me, by the way, <laughs> babysitting. The fourth one, a subscription to an audio service like Apple Music, Spotify, or Audible. Right? Okay. <laughs> Number five, throat coat tea and Altoids. Because <laughs> you know they just yeah. talk a lot. Yeah. Tickets to a game is number six. That's me too. A spa visit or a massage ranks in at number seven. Wow. Okay. Technology to make sense of my notes ranks in at number eight. A quality coffee maker ranks in at number nine. And yeah. Then Number 10, with a bullet, notes of encouragement. 
So now you know what to buy your pastor. Notes of encouragement. For Thanksgiving. Yeah. Good job, guy. And uh, last but not least, the sweatiest Bible class in America. Mm. After attending a few aerobics classes as a teenager, <laughs> Elisa Keaton knew she needed one of those pink leotards. She begged her mama for outfit uh, to outfit her newfound passion and never looked back. Fitness became her life's work and her ministry. Keaton, 46, founded Revelation Wellness 10 years ago in Phoenix. Just as CrossFit and other high-intensity exercise programs were taking off nationwide. But Keaton and her instructors saw the physical activity could go beyond weight loss and strength training. They maintain a holistic health focusing on God, not self, enables God's people to serve better. The ministry uses fitness as a pathway to freedom, encouraging participants to ditch what weighs them down physically and spiritually. Prayers and push-ups go together. Scripture is <laughs> preached as reps are counted. Together, healing happens. For Keaton's teens, physical fitness is not the end goal. It is merely a tool to proclaim Jesus. <laughs> so can you imagine going to your uh, your uh, physical fitness class and having Bible Yeah, let's do that. preached at you while you're doing it? You're, you're down for that, aren't you? Yeah, it's a great <laughs> idea. All right. <laughs> Jesus wants you to sweat. That's all I got, man. That reminds me, uh, there was a... Um, <laughs> that video? Yeah, that workout video. <laughs> That's the I best video. I was looking video, for man. it. Um, <laughs> oh, get, get fit and lit with the Lord. Yes, it's all about punch Satan in the face and yeah, all this stuff. Good. Really, really good and strong. Since I started to do the Pamela workouts, I found Jesus. And I'm Jewish. God speaks through Pamela. You should pay the $200 a month. You should pay the $200 a month. $200, that's not too much. Start crying and say, Pamela saved me. I was nothing before her. Now I have a life worth living. I now have a life worth living. Hello, ladies. Okay. But you have to uh, Cut. You're done. <laughs> Carrie. I'm sorry, Pumpkin. No, it's fine. You've just. Okay. It's not your show. I love her so much. Give her your money. Give her your money. Hi, y'all. I'm Pamela Pumpkin, and you're about to do Pamela Pumpkin's Workout for the Lord. (laughs) Hey, y'all, this is Alan. And these are the other people. Cross, cross, Oh my gosh, this is the dumbest <laughs> so thing in the world. So, yeah. So, so we, literally, <laughs> I guess that happens, huh? <laughs> yeah. For $200 a month, yeah. you can watch this DVD as much as you'd like. Punch the devil, <laughs> kick the Satan. That's so funny. So, oh man. Okay, so, are you done with your news? Yeah. All right. Well, we have we have email. Oh, here here's some chips. Yeah, thanks. It's my on. turn now. You can chew on those. 
Okay, so um, we have email, actually. <clears throat> a good number of it. Or I say a good number of it. Like three. <laughs> That's a ton for us. Yeah. Whoa, we're rolling in the email. Woo! I'm not even going to have enough time to read all this. Okay, so um, first is from Matt. Now I think Hi, Matt. I think we I think we read Matt's uh, first email on on uh, the air. Did not realize I know this guy. <laughs> That's your life right there. Yeah, I know. So okay, sorry, Matt. Um, I didn't recognize your last name, but anyway, um, I've actually met at Matt years ago, and um, at a at a previous congregation that I was at. So now. And he's been in the way. <laughs> so he's met you too. <laughs> sure. Hi, Matt. I remember you. David doesn't, but I do. You were a good-looking guy from what I remember. Okay, so listen to what he says. He <laughs> says, what's up again, Theo Knotts? So, I wasn't sure if my entire name was disclosed in the email, but I've actually met you before. <laughs> That's always so embarrassing. And it's like, oh, hey, guys, nice to meet you. <laughs> hey, I actually know you. <laughs> says David on several occasions <laughs> I'm friends with a couple that attends your church I live in, in Gainesville which is Texas and have actually visited a couple of times I'm not sure I've actually met you Jeremiah but I believe the time I visited I heard a sermon from you <laughs> wow that's awesome. I would love to visit you guys again. In fact, prior to my wife and I finding a church body, I wanted to attend the way. That's how much I enjoyed it. Looking forward to listening to the rest of the Sola series, praying for your ministry. Uh, P.S. I did not know that Christ alone was the third episode in the series. So once again, the Holy Spirit also this is my second time to send this email. I'm not sure if you received it the first time. So if you'd already, I'm sorry. So <laughs> I'm sure I got it. Tell I'm, me you responded to him. I'm just, yes. Like through email. Not no. Just, okay, good. No, I did. I emailed. <laughs> awesome. All right. I emailed him. You get these too. So, but anyway, yeah, this is a Theonauts email. You get these, right? I guess I just don't go on Theonauts email. Okay. So anyway. <laughs> I expect you to do that. I, I had a conversation with Matt. We're all good. Okay, good. Okay. So, um. Philip, patron Saint Philip of the GCD Network. We love you, Philip. We love you. Sir Philip, King Philip, as uh, he is formerly known on the Finding Christ in Cinema podcast. He says, Hey guys, long time no talk. I really enjoyed the episode on the five solas. The episodes on the five solas. It was particularly interesting to hear a perspective from guys who aren't professing Calvinists. I thought y'all did a great job. I have a few requests, which you are, of course, free to pass on. First, I'd be interested in an episode on the Holy Spirit, i.e., the history of doctrine regarding the Holy Spirit, how the divinity of the Holy Spirit is established by Scripture, how He, is it even proper to refer to the Holy Spirit as He? revealed himself in the Old and New Testaments and how he interacted with his people in the Bible, etc. Also, do you think about what do you think about an episode that focuses on humor in the Bible? What passages seem to be written with humorous intent and what 
ex- and to what extent do you think God has a sense of humor? Mm-hmm. Lastly, how about recording a promo for the Secret Fire podcast in your most rich redneck accents? <laughs> Hey, 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 listen now. I am from Kansas. I am not from Texas. I am not a redneck. Whatever. Although I sound like it from time to time just to make fun of little old David over there. Whatever. I'm not from Texas. And so you need to understand that right now, patron saint. As a Sooner fan, you cannot deny your redneckism. Maybe a little. Okay, so. Uh, where was I? Oh, maybe we can record a promo for the Secret Fire podcast in your rich redneck accents where you pronounce it Secret Far. <laughs> Play banjo music in the background. <laughs> and then it with a real hillbilly whoop. <laughs> That's got to happen. We got to do that. Seriously. Like now, like tonight. <laughs> just, <laughs> just have you heard about them books by that guy, Dar Tolkien? Tolkien. Tolkien. Junior Tolkien. Junior Tolkien. <laughs> about them hibbits. What are they? Her- Herbits? It's a secret fire. <laughs> okay, so. I heard about that secret fire. That'll light your lightning. <laughs> just imagining that cracks me up. <laughs> Love the show, guys. Oh, man. Okay, and we have one more. We have a new patron. Woo, a new patron. Daniel. Thank you for contributing, Daniel. He is uh, contributing per episode. I bought me a new suit because <clears throat> of you. Yeah. <laughs> Joking. I, we don't make that kind of money. <laughs> but thank you so much. Yeah, thanks to you. I'm driving a Lexus <laughs> and wearing my three-piece suit. Hashtag blessed. Mm, bling. Okay. Hail Theonauts is what he says. I wanted to connect to let you know that you're my new favorite podcast out there. Wow. I love that. That's a huge (laughs) honor, sir. You know, there's a lot of podcasts. Yeah, a lot. A lot of podcasts. And a lot better produced. (laughs) I mean, I'm still eating chips. (laughs) I eat chips all through the whole thing. Yeah, I know. So I can't. I recently moved about an hour away from work and have a much longer commute than I'm used to. Your podcast has been just what I needed for my drive to and from work. I'm not sure how I found you existed other than I saw the logo, loved it, and was immediately introduced into the Space, Time, and God episode. I quite enjoyed it as it reminded me much of my Bible professor, Chuck Missler, and his content. Mm, There's some inspiration there. I won't uh, deny that. The concepts of dimensions really helps me and my mind understand the way God interacts with his people and really explains so much of his creation. For example, he's about to get geeky on you, by the way. For for example, Euclidean geometry law states... (laughs) (laughs) What is that? I love this. What's Euclidean? I (laughs) love... I love geeks. It's, I'm a geek. So I, yeah, this is you not, are. This is not a put down, man. I'm a, I'm a science major. So, okay. For example, Euclidean geometry laws state that the angles of a triangle must equal 180 degrees. Now, you knew that, right? Yeah. Okay. But 
If you add a dimension such as spherical geometry, you can have a triangle with all corners at 90 degrees. A law broken is a hint at another dimension. Hmm. So, who's to say whether the person that died in the New Testament time, the person that died last week, and the person that gets raptured next Wednesday appears at the same moment at the throne of God? For Ephesians 3, we know the love of Christ has breadth, length, depth, and height. That's more than three dimensions. So much fun stuff and so relevant to today's intellectuals who dismiss the Bible because they see people living through faith as opposed to reason. It all fits the Bible and it's amazing. I have other things to write to you, such as the episodes about Balaam being a a Gentile, which I had completely forgotten, and it blew my mind. The only other instance I could remember was the Witch of Endor and the apparition of Samuel. And the Mephibosheth episode being so typographical. So good. Thanks so much for being so inspiring. Cheers, Daniel Wilkinson. P.S. I signed up as a patron. However, I'd like to give you guys a larger gift uh, instead of a trickle because of how much I love the show. So guess what? I replied to the guy and told him how he can give us money. <laughs> Dude, seriously, <clears throat> though, that's a huge compliment for us. So thank you so it much. It is a great compliment. Brother, and uh, I'm glad that I'm glad it blesses you. I hope that you stay safe on your commute. And uh sounds like uh, if you're a, if your Bible prof- profess was uh, Chuck Missler, then we need to talk <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, uh, there, there's a lot. I actually gave him a list of episodes that were kind of Missler inspired. Yeah, so that he could. He's kind of a follow. big inspiration of David's, and <clears throat> you know, I'm an English major, so I used to pants the geeks. But you know, yeah, that's whatever. a great thing. I'm, I'm so happy you guys are geeking out together. Yeah. So for uh, I was a football player and a geek. Oh yeah, that's so true. Deal with it. <laughs> Is that what they called the guy yeah, on the sidelines of the pom pom? I wasn't. I wasn't pantsed. <laughs> really? <laughs> no. There's either. always a first time, yeah. David. You better run out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Bring it on! All right, you ready to get out of here? Oh, please let's. Okay, let me find the right button. Please. Let me find my uh, outro. Do you have it? No. You can. You can wing it if you have to. The Theonauts are part of the Great Commission Transmission Network. I know it's here somewhere. Hang on a second. It was here. Keep talking. Here. Thief. (laughs) We use new media here. Yep. And social networking to go into all the world and proclaim the good news to everyone. To find out more, go to gctnetwork.com, subscribe to the newsletter, stay up to date with all our shows, including Finding Christ in Cinema and The Secret Fire. Secret (laughs) Fire. Secret Fire. <laughs> it's a secret power contest. Visit our website, <laughs> theonotspodcast.com, for show notes and outlines. Listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Stitcher Radio, <laughs> or your favorite podcast catcher. Don't forget to rate us because that helps us reach a larger audience. Yeah, do stuff online. Yeah, yeah use the interwebs. There are several ways you can con- <laughs> you can contact us. And leave us feedback. Send us an email at theonauts at gctnetwork.com. Call us on our voicemail line at 970. You sound like your dad. (laughs) (laughs) 972 885 
Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Theonauts. If you like us and want more, I hate it whenever the music runs out. I know, because you like talk too much. goofing around. <laughs> if you like us I like it. and want more Theonauts. I always want more. Be just like Daniel. Yeah. Because I know he's an inspiration after mm-hmm. that letter we just read. And drop a buck or two to us at patreon.com slash Theonauts. Your patronage helps us in our expenses like hosting fees and equipment costs. This here new suit. Don't forget to tune in again. Explore vast reaches of God's word with us. Thanks for being here, Jeremiah. Thank you, David Gaddy. So late. Adios, amigos. This has been Theonauts Podcast. Call us with your questions or comments at 972-885-7270. That's 972-885-7270. We'd love to hear from you. You are tuned in to the GCT Network. This is your Great Commission. This is your Great Commission Transmission. At GCTNetwork.com. This is your Great Commission Transmission. Okay. Get the Marines. Get the Taliban. Get the Mormon Tabernacle Choir if you have to. But find the Pillar of Salt.